Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. Today's we're going to be talking about uh, lesson 138, which is about heaven being a decision that we must make. So let's just take that thought with us for a moment into the silence. Heaven is the decision that I must make. And when you're ready, gently come back. Okay. So as I was thinking even just about this lesson title, how radical a teaching this is. <laughs> you know, if you're brand new to the course or, and or if you've been brought up with a traditional Christian background, we certainly have our ideas about heaven, what heaven is, all the teachings we've had. And even if you weren't brought up in a traditional Christian church, it's still part of our, our culture. We, we've heard about it. And um, most people probably had heard of original sin that we were cast out of this paradise by, by God. And now we have been disowned, we've been disinherited, and we have to earn our way back virtually, we have to earn our way back or accept Jesus as our Savior that he died for our sins. We have to be saved before we can return, if we can return. And so it's through our good deeds, our behavior, and our, we have to, our thoughts have to be pure. So this is not something that we can just do. It's a process, it's a long journey, if, if it's accomplished at all. And I, I don't know if any of you saw the TV show that was, it was a comedy that was on for a while called The Good Place, where it was people when, you know, they died and there was somebody up there taking, you know, was in charge of counting up all your good deeds in your life. And it's kind of, a lot of people still have that, that um, interpretation, I guess, of what heaven is, this paradise that we have to earn our way back to through God's good graces and Maybe if we're good enough, then, you know, we don't do anything wrong. We don't mess up. But it's a place that we're going to go to at some point when this body dies. But it was God who made that choice. And that um, we might not accept that. We might, our beliefs start changing. And we might start accepting other beliefs, such as karma and reincarnation. And there's nothing wrong with any of these beliefs. And they probably are true in our experience because what we believe is true for us. So... Um, we, at least as a gentler way, maybe that now, you know, we have at least a chance to repent and become perfect <laughs> before we could enter heaven. It's not just a one-time shot and that's it. So, but it still implies a belief that we're not perfect now, that we are this separate self who is capable of doing, you know, horrendous things that would that would uh, you know that would give god a reason to say no you don't you don't deserve to be there you don't deserve to be back in paradise so heaven still seems as this place or a state that's unattainable now until some future time some future life but we aren't there yet <laughs> probably far from it 
And as long as we believe that this is true, that, you know, we might, in our experience, that's what we'll keep coming back and replaying this over and over like Groundhog Day and on, until we think we're going to get it right. And even in some new thought teachings, which I was part of for a long time, um, they teach we're spirit and that God loves us. So that's, you know, leads the step in the right direction that we were created in love. But we still, a lot of people still think of spirit as being something in the body. So the body is still very real, but now we have a spirit in this body. And that heaven is still a place where we will be in perfect peace and paradise with all of our loved ones, all these separate beings that we knew here. Now when we die, you know, people say, well, we're going to meet up with them again in heaven in paradise. And I, I don't know what really happens, what, what we experience after we die. I've never had a near-death experience or anything like that. But still, that's all part of the dream, according to the Course. So we actually believe that the self that God created in his image and likeness has changed into its opposite, and, it, and that we did that, that we had that power to do that. We never question how impossible that would be. That would make us more powerful than our creator. But that's what we think we did. You know, we try to usurp God's power and recreate ourselves in our own image and likeness. We might even say, well, God created everything. I believe that. So then we look around the world and everything and we say, well, he, he created everything. He created all this. So all the diversity and, and everything we see. And then people even go so far as to say all the problems in the world is all part of the oneness, the wholeness. But we never question that there might be something wrong with our seeing. <laughs> so that's where the problem is, is who is seeing this and where are we seeing it from? But how arrogant it is to think that we could change what God created, that we could actually change his creation. So now the Course comes along and it throws all that out the window. And like I said, I was thinking what a radical thing for somebody who's new to this or had had those teachings to say that heaven is a decision. And it's a decision that I must make. I have to make that decision. So, uh, you know, like I said, the Course says not only did we not get thrown out of heaven, but we chose to leave perfect oneness. We chose that. It was our decision. We wanted something else, like there could be something else. And not only that, but it never really happened. We never really left, which means we're there right now. We just think we left. But if we never happened, that means we're innocent. So there's no reason for guilt and no reason for, you know, to think, well, God's withholding, uh, keeping us apart. So this lesson says that we decide, we choose when we return. And how blasphemous that must sound to somebody that still has a traditional, a more fundamentalist way of believing. But the, the good news is that if we, we did make that choice, then then we can choose again so all we have to do is return our mind to that point where we made that decision and choose again that's all you know that sounds so simple doesn't it that's all we have to do but heaven isn't even a place according to the course it's just a state of mind which we could return to at any time not just after this body dies like we, you know, we still a lot of people still hold that idea, well, what's going to happen after I die? Am I going to go to the good place <laughs> or, or else? But the one thing that all these uh, belief 
systems of belief have in common is the underlying guilt and fear of God. And that is what affects our decision to choose. And most of this fear, probably 99% of it is unconscious, but it surfaces in, in subtle ways, sometimes not too subtle. Sometimes you might just have feelings of discomfort when you, you're around people that have more traditional viewpoints. And underneath, you might be thinking, what if that's true? <laughs> I had that happen uh, maybe 20 years ago. I was sitting in a New Thought church, and there were some people visiting who were not part of that thought system at all, but they were just there to see somebody in the congregation. And they were sitting right behind me, and I could just sense this discomfort, which I was attributing to them. <laughs> and at one point in the service, someone asked their minister a question which she liked the people to do that and she was teaching the course as well and they and her answer was well we can talk about this later but according to the course god didn't even make this world well the people behind me they just was like oh my and i could just, i could just feel their shock and disbelief and like i don't want to be in this church you know so um and anyway, I was holding, you know, feeling that discomfort, thinking it was them. I'm an empath. I can pick up on people's feelings. But later, I started to look at that, and I thought, wait a minute, who's feeling this? <laughs> I'm the one that's feeling this, so what's that all about? And what came to me as I really looked at it, down beneath all the, all the things I thought I believed, there was still that little thought, what if? What if this is not true? What if I had been putting my on my belief and and now i'm studying this teaching that says everything you know what if that's wrong and i thought well okay i follow that through what would that mean well it would mean i'm going to go to hell <laughs> is that the logical outcome of that belief system and it was you know you had to be saved and then i looked at it and i thought well i don't believe that that's ridiculous but that thought was still there. And I, you know, I haven't had that since. I had to bring that up and to look at that. But it was funny that it was still there. So we might have thoughts like that. Has anybody else had that kind of experience where any of these doubts might come up and think, I don't know if I should really be believing this or it goes against everything I was taught. And what if I'm wrong? Has anybody else had that? Just so you don't have to say if you do. <laughs> but it's a possibility that you know, we might have thoughts like that. And I was just, uh, I was just thinking all these smiling faces on the screen are going to hell. <laughs> right, we are. We'll be, we'll all be there together, though. We can take comfort in that. <laughs> That's a lot of and we're like, yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> At least we'll be all together there. Yeah, right. So anyway, then there might also be thoughts, which I remember having as well, that it's too good to be true. And I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to get my hopes up. And I mean, how many times in my life have I put faith in someone, whether it was uh, some authority figures, my parents, only to be let down? So there's a part of me that, that feels like this could be just another one of those empty promises. And maybe it's good for other people, but I don't think that it applies to me. So I'm not going to allow myself the possibility even to think, you know, to trust that, that it might be true. So these are just some of the conflicting ideas and beliefs that we might have and that we have to look at because you can't make a decision for something until you really have looked at 
all the alternatives and things that you that you have decided in the past or holding on to now and then say well okay i want i want to choose again i want to choose something else so it's only our beliefs that can and need to be changed because otherwise we would be making the error real that there really was something that had to be undone something had been done and something now has to be undone and the atonement is about undoing but that's not the kind of undoing it's talking about it's undoing the belief that anything really did happen the belief that the separation really did happen so the same power that we gave to the belief we could change ourselves into something other than what God created is that same power that we have to choose against that belief and to choose instead for the truth. But it's not the little self that we think we are that is the one that makes that decision. You know, this self isn't real. So what is it? It's that, it's that decision-making power that we have in our mind, that we all have. It's the same power in everyone's mind. And that's the point that we have to turn to that makes that choice for us. So that's what this lesson addresses today, the, the power of our decision maker to make the only choice that really can be made, the choice for heaven. So before we go into anything from the text of the lessons, does anybody have anything to, uh, they want to share about any of that? Any comments or ideas? about heaven <laughs> about choice no i was i was thinking about how i was trying to remember when i decided or, or even how i decided the course was it i mean like i'm sure most of us i tried like 18 billion things and it, and for the most part i was mixing them all together tim's blend <laughs> Tim's celestial spiritual blend. Put him in the mixer and turn it on and, <laughs> and see see what comes out. Usually it's this brown ooze. <laughs> but but yeah, so and I was trying to remember, I mean, even though you know I, I didn't practice it continuously, but at some point this was early on, at some point, um and I, I'm sure it was after I got exposed to Wapnik and going up to Roscoe, New York. But at some point I thought, yeah, yeah, this is, this makes more sense than anything else. And this kind of undermines all the other stuff I was doing even. Not undermines it, but it certainly, it's totally unlike all the other stuff I was doing, which was all about behavior, all about ritual, all about <laughs> everything in the world <laughs> I was trying to do to make me holy or or at least <laughs> keep some semblance that I was sort of sane. <laughs> right. I remember, too, the same thing. What, what, what point? Because I was really um, studying Joe Goldsmith, and I still, I still read Joe Goldsmith. He has some beautiful teachings. But there were some things that seemed to conflict with the Course for me, and I was really, um, I was, you know, meditating about that, praying about that, and... Finally, what, what came to me, and this was just for me, doesn't mean the Course says you don't have to believe it's really coming from Jesus or that, you know, you don't have to believe that. Just do it and it'll work for you. But for me, that was the, um, I guess, the deciding element when I, I, I really believed because I had had enough just ex personal experiences. I truly believed the message was from Jesus. And that is one thing that my... Uh, uh, 
somewhat of a, a traditional background gave me, I did have this, this uh, love for Jesus. And when I really felt it was Jesus talking to me, then I thought, well, why would I choose any, to listen to anything else? You know, not that there wouldn't be value in it, but for me, that was, like you said, Tim, at some point you just said, this is, this is my path. This is what I'm going to do. So um, I guess we all have to come to that point where we decide what our path is. And um, for some people, it's just, you know, a lot of different paths. All I mean, that is their path is this eclectic view, which it's okay to read other things to study other things, but when it's your path, it's like, that's what you turn to for the tools that you need to help you. And um, so anyway, that for me, that was a decision that I made for the course. <laughs> so um, it says in the course that to be in the kingdom is merely to focus your full attention on it. So um, it's, it is, a, says it's a state of oneness, but it also says, as long as you believe you can attend to what is not true, you are accepting conflict as your choice. So it's to, to put your full attention on it. And I was, I know it talks about uh, heaven in a number of places where it's a place, it's like a final, it's almost like the place of knowledge, not, not what we can attain in the world. The most that we can have from the course is to lead us to that point, to the gate of heaven. So first we have to have, you know, the correction of what we're seeing now, which is the real world, where all their misperceptions have been healed. And then heaven is even beyond that. But then other times he refers to, I guess, the holy instant is where we're getting these glimpses maybe of, of heaven. It's not something that can be sustained necessarily because we wouldn't be here in a body if we could sustain that. But we do have our moments, our holy encounters and our instants of um, where our mind is obviously, we're not here, it's a transcendent moment. And um, I think he is, when he says that, that to, just to focus your full attention on it. But at the same time, how, how hard is that <laughs> to focus our full attention on that when we're, we're still so pulled by things in the world? And it sounds like an easy thing, well, I'll just turn my whole attention to heaven, but obviously it's not that simple, you know? like. I think it says to have peace and to really want only that it costs everything that you believe. So it's like a total switching from the way you're seeing now, believing now. And yes, if we could do that, put our full attention on that, well, we would be in heaven, but it's not as easy as it sounds. And that's why we have the, this whole text and, and workbook lessons. And there were a couple of paragraphs um, from chapter this is chapter 18, Beyond the Body, paragraph one and two on page 384 of the text, the sections Beyond the Body, Roman numeral six, which I thought we could read those two paragraphs and then go to um, the lesson. Actually, there's two lessons I wanna look at <clears throat> about heaven. So would anybody like to read that if you have on page eight, 384? Paragraph one and two. Yeah, I'll read that. Okay. There is nothing outside you. That is what you must ultimately learn. For it is the realization that the kingdom of heaven is restored to you. For God created only this 
and he did not depart from it, nor leave it separate from himself. The kingdom of heaven is the dwelling place of the Son of God, who left not his Father and dwells not apart from him. Heaven is not a place nor a condition. It is merely an awareness of perfect oneness and the knowledge that there is nothing else, nothing outside this oneness and nothing else within. So that, that is a really good definition <laughs> of what heaven is, an awareness of perfect oneness and the knowledge there is nothing else, nothing outside this oneness and nothing else within. So that's a, that's a state we can only, unless we've had an actual experience of, of that oneness, it's just, you know, it sounds nice, but it's, it's nothing that I can say I have actually uh, had any, uh, maybe just a glimpse <laughs> at times. But so God, uh, the dwelling place of the Son of God who left not his father and dwells not apart from him. So again, this is just showing the unreality of, of our experience. So we, it's obviously is, our experience is real to us but it's not the truth. And that's what we're, the goal is to get beyond this to we can awaken to that. So um, would anybody like to go on if, or unless there's comments about that paragraph and uh, paragraph two? Somebody like to read that? Okay, Jean, okay. What could God give but knowledge of himself? What else is there to give? The belief that you could give and get something else, something outside yourself, has cost you the awareness of heaven and of your identity. And you have done a stranger thing than you yet realize. You have displaced your guilt to your body from your mind. Yet a body cannot be guilty, for it can do nothing of itself. You who think you hate your body, deceive yourself. You hate your mind, for guilt has entered into it, and it would remain separate from your brothers, which it cannot do. Okay, so again, it's just really telling us that it has cost us the awareness of heaven and our, of our true identity, and that's the result and this guilt. And now we actually believe we're this body, and we still have this guilt. And that's what has to be undone. So um, the lesson is 138. But lesson uh, 131 had a few paragraphs which were about heaven. And I thought we could look at those and then go to lesson 138. Um, so lesson 131, starting uh, paragraph 5, maybe over to paragraph 8 on page 239 of the workbook. And that's the lesson, no one can fail who seeks to reach the truth. So this goes hand in hand. Heaven's the decision I must make and no one can fail. So that's, that's the good news. It's inevitable. <laughs> I'll, read, I'll read a couple of paragraphs and then uh, we'll go, somebody else can maybe read the last two. No one remains in hell for no one can abandon his creator, nor affect his perfect, timeless, 
and unchanging love, you will find heaven. Everything you seek but this will fall away, yet not because it has been taken from you. It will go because you do not want it. You will reach the goal you really want, as certainly as God created you in sinlessness. And then he says, why wait for heaven? And he repeats that, and I think it's lesson 188, he says that same thing. It is here today. Time is the great illusion, it is past or in the future. Yet this cannot be if it is where God wills his son to be. How could the will of God be in the past or yet to happen? What he wills is now without a past and wholly futureless. It is as far removed from time as is a tiny candle from a distant star for what you chose from what you really want. So again, it's just showing the inevitability of something. That's the truth. That's, it's inevitable that we will eventually return to that. And that's encouraging. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really pretty popular series on Netflix called Stranger, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I really like it. <laughs> but a bunch of kids too. going through some crazy stuff, <laughs> monsters yeah. and icky stuff. But anyway, um, that line in that previous, uh, in the text, he said, but you've done a stranger thing than this. Meaning the tiny mad idea was pretty weird. <laughs> but then you took all that and you put it on your poor body. So, right. so here we are, all these, we're all stranger things on the, on the screen. <laughs> we're, all, we're all walking stranger things. <laughs> stranger even than the tiny man idea. It's interesting he calls this even stranger than that. Because <laughs> the That's tiny man point. idea was pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get very ingenious in our insanity, don't we? <laughs> things that we think we can accomplish. You know, we think we can even, you know, destroy ourselves. We have that ability. We took, we took that away, too. So all the power that God had, we think we, you know, we've misused that. But like I said, we've come up with some pretty interesting alternatives, haven't we? But they're all insane. So. Um, anybody like to read paragraph seven? Uh, I'll, get, I'll do that one. Okay. Heaven remains your one alternative to this strange world <laughs> you made and all its ways. It's shifting patterns and uncertain goals. It's painful pleasures. It's tragic joys. God made no contradictions. I love that. Yeah. What denies its own existence and attacks itself is not of him. He did not make two minds with heaven as the glad effect of one and the earth the other sorry outcome, which is heaven's opposite in every way. I love that God made no contradictions. I keep a little um, list of, of these absolute statements like that, you know, and I, I made no contradictions. That says it all right there, doesn't it? There can't be anything other than what God created. So it's all our own imagination. And we're pretty imagined, <laughs> have a good imagination. Okay, um, so, and this is heaven's opposite in every way. Yeah, that's another, that's another one. Mm -hmm. Everything here is, is the opposite, total opposite of the truth. Okay. 
Would anybody like to read number eight? And that'll be the last one we read in this section. Then we'll go to lesson 138. Okay, Duke. All right. Um, paragraph eight. Mm -hmm. God, God does not suffer conflict, nor is his creation split in two. How could it be his son could be in hell when God himself established him in heaven? Could he lose what the eternal will has given him to be his home forever? Let us not try longer to impose an alien will <clears throat> upon God's single purpose. He is here because he wills to be. And what he wills is present now beyond the reach of time. And I was thinking the fact that we exist uh, beyond space time um, is really a scientific fact and can be even mapped out mathematically how an absolute oneness uh, illusionary uh, fractioned itself off. Um, the course I think is just, uh, it's one expression of explaining something like this works with our, our program mind, uh, which our fu fundamentalist religion is, it's very much like a, a virus. <laughs> and the, the the course is the cure because it's programmed our mind to think in anthropomorphic God concepts. So it really comes as a cure to remind us that we're not the, the character in the dream, but we actually do exist outside of space time. Mm, thank you. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like quantum physics and, and all that, you know, people are, it's opening their minds to other possibilities that this, what we're seeing at least is not, not the truth, you know, but, and how we can be deceived by what our eyes tell us, what our senses tell us. Duke, like, Duke, Duke, I was curious, did you settle in on the course right away when you found it or did you mess around with other stuff? <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I settled in about uh, almost 10 or 15 years after I'd found the course. Um, I exper uh, read many other different teachings uh, um, over the years. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was at least 15 years before I actually like, like embraced the course as a, as a student, as a, as a path. It's interesting to hear di different people's experiences prior to and and uh, what led you to that and what what spoke to you. So I would say psychedelic drugs were one of the biggest uh, <laughs> things that. Oh, what happened? I lost. He got edited by Jesus. <laughs> That was just too over the top, <laughs> even with Jesus. He's gone. <laughs> he just left. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> maybe, he he, maybe he went. Maybe he <laughs> Yeah, he just went poof. <laughs> or he had a flashback. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> oh wow. That was really something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there I he think is. <laughs> must have been. <laughs> He's back. Oh. That was just me on my side. <laughs> All right. Must have been my Wi-Fi connection. Uh, it, it was perfect timing. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. <laughs> well, we thought you had already made the transition. <laughs> um, now we lesson 138 is today's lesson. So we can now look at that because, um, again, it's talking about how this is a decision that it's inevitable. We're going to make it. I mu we must make it. We don't really have a choice in it because this has already been on done and it says somewhere the moment that we decide it, you know, it's in the mind and it's going to happen. So we don't really have a choice. We just think we do. So this is a nice way of saying that, I guess. Heaven is a decision I must make. I'll read a little and then whoever wants to uh, pick up or comment at any time, stop it. Please do. In this world, heaven is a choice because here we believe there are alternatives to choose between. We think that all things have an opposite and what we want, we choose. If heaven exists, there must be hell as well for contradiction is the way we make what we perceive and what we think is real. And that's interesting too, that contradiction is how how things come into being and how they are, how we perceive them and how we give, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, if there was only, and I don't know if this is exactly what he means here, but for, for the world to experience anything, you have to have contrast and we have to have duality. So even like if there was only the color blue, you wouldn't know what blue was unless there was another color to to compare it to so this world is just a world of fragmentation and and constant judging and comparing and that's that's what we do that's the whole purpose of here you know it says adam named everything you know in the bible and i think that's what it means that he it gave um we label everything and we define it we decide what it is all the properties that it has and instead of just seeing it for it's just a picture a picture in our mind that we had in our thoughts or images that we have made. And so um, that's the only reality that it has is just uh, we're playing a game. <laughs> and we like little puppets on the screen and, and we're just deciding what the attributes are for these characters. So um, contradiction is the way we make what we perceive and what we think is real. What, what do you think about that, Tim? That, well, I was thinking about, you know, like even when he tries to describe heaven, you know, 90% of his statements are heaven is not this. <laughs> heaven is not that. <laughs> heaven is not contradiction. Heaven is not conflict. Heaven is not everything we know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you could put almost take any word we know and say heaven is not this. Netty, netty, netty. Not this, right. not this, not this. And so, and I was thinking about when I've had a holy instant experience a glimpse of the real world, there really was a profound sense of, now that I'm looking back at it, there, was no, there were no contradictions. There was no sense of conflict. There was no opposite. There was just this kind of purity to it, this kind of sense of what the real self was, all, was experiencing that, with, with not even able to put it into words. Any word would almost be contradictory to that experience. Hmm. Hmm. And isn't it something when you have an experience like that, you just know that that's the truth. There's no question. And you know, it's always been the truth. 
And that's, that's, that's what's interesting to me when you, you know it's always been there, even though I, I maybe wasn't able to access it. You just know that it had always been there. And that gave you the, for me, it increased the faith that it would always be there. You know, I, I, even though I didn't know it was there, now I know it had always been there, which means it's never going any place. And even though I might not be able to feel it right now, to re-experience that right now, um, I, I trust that if that's important for my whatever, that I will. And in, in the time that I'm ready and I'm willing, that there's no fear, because it says it can't come if there's any fear. So uh, the Holy Spirit, I do trust that the Holy Spirit knows what we need and the way that we can receive it, the best way we can receive it without fear when we're ready to experience that. So, um, anybody, any more comments or if somebody would like to go on to the next paragraph? Osmani. Okay. Osmani? Thank you. You're on. There you go. <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, that mm -hmm. it's so reassuring because it's so beautiful to hear from, from students like yourself, like, like you've been like, studying the course for such a long time. And to hear such a beautiful words coming out of you is, is really reassuring. So I'm, I'm very, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Would you like to read the next paragraph? Yes. Okay. Uh, number two. Number two is creation knows no opposite. But here is opposition part of being real. Quote real. It is this strange perception of the truth that makes the choice of heaven seem to be the same as the relinquishment of hell. It is not really thus. Yet what is true in God's creation cannot enter here until it is reflected in some form the world can understand. Truth cannot come where it could only be perceived with fear. For this will be the error truth can be brought to illusion. Opposition makes the truth unwelcome and it cannot come. Okay, so it's just what we were talking about. Yeah, so um, I like that it has, it can be reflected here. Um, the most we can have in this world is a reflection of the truth. And, uh, and in forgiveness, in the miracle, they're reflections of the truth. They're not the truth, the reflections of the truth. So, um, and of course, it can't be the relinquishment of hell because heaven, hell's not real. So it just seems to be that we're making a choice against hell, but we, you're really giving up nothing to have, to have experienced the truth. So opposition makes the truth unwelcome and it cannot come where there's conflict, where there's opposition. Okay, any more comments on that? Okay. I was, I was thinking about the way, you know, like, I mean, we think of opposites, we think of hot and cold, we think of, a, you know, a, a magnet has a north and south pole. I mean, and yet, I mean, over and over and over again, not so much here because he's specifically talking about heaven, but this, the process of the opposite I see is somehow is more about differences. Like I'm different from my brother. Usually I'm more holy than he is. <laughs> I need to fix him, but whatever it is. I mean, but there's, there's the opposition comes in terms of the way I see my brother 
and the distance between me and him because I'm judging him. I mean, the whole thing is about, obviously, this process of forgiveness is, in this case, the, the letting go of the opposition is letting go of the grievance. That's what sets up the polarity between me and something else, me and somebody else. That's, and then I'm insisting I'm maybe not exactly opposite, like not, not uh, you know, hot and cold, but north and south pole or of a magnet. But, but certainly there's a relative separation between me and somebody else. We're not the same son of God for sure. And my grievance insists on that. So it's, it's kind of a different way of, of defining opposition. And certainly I need to attack in order to maintain my, my separate sense of self. I need to have opposites. I need to have somebody I'm throwing stuff at, right. my, my own guilt. <laughs> that has somebody to project their, their self-hatred onto. <laughs> Stephen, you got something? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. I've been uh, uh, thinking off and on here for a few minutes. Uh, I, I, for me, I, I, uh, I've had a few disappointments uh, in the course <laughs> along the way. <laughs> you know, as I go along, I think I'm going to get something, and then, you know, I'm like, oh, shoot. Uh, but what it usually is is stuff that I just can't know. It's just forget about it. When I got to the, to the borderland and I kind of took it apart, I thought I was going to figure out what heaven was and how that works. And, uh, but it, it says in there very clearly, you just can't do that. That you can, you know, true perception goes up to the gate. But what's on the other side of that gate is beyond anything you can know. Um, that doesn't stop me from going into various abstractions of things that happen in, 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 in my image making. Uh, where I see light and love and expansion and what I think is eternity. But whenever I'm doing that, there's a duality to that. There's, you know, there's something that I've taken from the earth uh, or from my experiences on earth. I don't even call it experience. This is just a dream experience to me. Uh, but getting that the borderland secured it for me. I cannot go, I can't go past that gate. I can get right up to it. I can maybe have my toe touch it, but I, you know, I can't get that final thing that happens when you really know something. Thank you. Well, God takes the last step himself. So we could only do so much on our own. And, and uh, once we're on the, what I was thinking about this whole thing is about it being a decision that we must make. We have made it because we wouldn't be even studying this <laughs> if we hadn't made this. So even though we might not think that we, uh, you know, we're at that final goal right now, the very fact that we are studying this, that, that we're saying, this is my intention, you know, this is what I want. I want the truth and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And um, so I think we, we all have made that decision, whatever, wherever we're at right now, we returning to the Holy Spirit and we've turned it over and we're being guided. So, you know, we, we judge ourselves so harshly. We're our worst, you know, critics, but um, I, that's my understanding anyway, that we wouldn't even be doing this. We've all heard this inner call and we've responded to it. So it, it doesn't matter if, we, if somebody has a, 
an awakening today if they have it, you know, whatever an awakening is. <laughs> but we're on the path. We, and we, if we trust in the Holy Spirit, we trust in Jesus, then there's nothing to fear. I mean, we're being guided. And so uh, anyway, that's what I think. I, I, the more I thought about this, we have made the decision. Is we, we waver at times. Sure. I'm sorry. What, right what? On. So Stephen, it uh, seems like he, Alexa. Oh, Alexa. Stephen was onto something there. Um, I, I do believe, Stephen, it is possible to get to and understanding of this stuff because I personally made it to that borderline you're talking about, but also there's a different way to, to see the world perceptionally. So perceptually, I think you need to just ask the Holy Spirit to show you that because that experience does exist. I can't say it because it was a pre-verbal thing, and it, but it does exist, but it does require a word. The words are, I need do nothing. It does require <laughs> that you sit down and literally intentionally do nothing up until the point where you even stop having the intention of doing nothing. You literally have to sit and do nothing and just ask for that experience. It's there, Stephen. See, you, you're really trying to get there, but you have to stop thinking about it. You just got to stop thinking and you can experience it. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. And the Course does say that its purpose is to lead us to an experience. So we can get all, you know, into all the background and the theory, but we have to have the experience everything else is leading us to that experience so and that's something we can't really describe or put into words but we can you know he's doing his best to lead us there and and we'll have it and we'll have it we can't compare one experience to to another to somebody else's experience or even one we had last year or you know we want to recreate that experience no we're going to get what we need when we when we were open to it and ready to receive it so at least that's what the way I understand it. I think uh, I think David, David, were you trying to enlighten us or get us back on track? Or <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't trying to enlighten you or getting you, oh, get you back on track. But uh, when uh, you spoke about the opposites, and Steve mentioned dualism, I that's the heart of it. The world is a world of dualistic thinking, traditional religion, all tradition is dualistic in the world. And the course is monistic, it's oneness. And that's the, uh, the total difference is between dualism and oneness. Yeah, that's true. Thank you, David. Thank you. Anybody else have anything to share before we go to the next paragraph? which I think we're in number three, right? Yeah. Starts talking about the choice. Anybody like to read number three? David, would you like to read that? Yeah, I can read it. Choice is the obvious escape from what appears as opposites. Decision lets one of the conflicting goals become the aim of effort and expenditure of time. Without decision, time is but a waste of effort, dissipated. It is spent for nothing in return, and time goes by without results. There is no sense of gain, for nothing is accomplished, and nothing is learned. Right. Uh you want to take the next one too, David, since it's, it's a short one. 
Okay. Um, you need to be reminded that you think a thousand choices are confronting you when there is really only one to make. And even this, but seems to be a choice, but seems to be a choice. Do not confuse yourself with all the doubts and myriad decisions would induce. You make but one. And when this one is made, you will perceive it was no choice at all. The truth is true and nothing else is true. There is no opposite to choose instead. There is no contradiction to the truth. Okay. So it's just... a matter of a thousand choices. We go through the day, if we're living in the realm of dualism and in the world, we're constantly saying, well, what do, what, uh, what do I decide to do next? What do I have to say to that person? What's my plan for the next couple of hours? We're making all these thousand choices, but there's really only one choice. Right, right. Most of all the choices we're making, probably 99%, they're, they're still made within the ego thought system. You know, the egos are God. But um, again, there's really the only one choice to make. And even that's not really a choice because they're really... <laughs> the opposite really doesn't exist so we're just deceiving ourselves fooling ourselves by thinking that there really is even a choice but that's that's the contradiction the apparent contradiction okay yeah, that's so true <laughs> somebody like to read paragraph five i will Hi, everybody. Hi. Choosing depends on learning, and the truth cannot be learned, but only recognized. In recognition, its acceptance lies. And as it is accepted, it is known. But knowledge is beyond the goals we seek to teach within the framework of this course. Ours are teaching goals to be attained through learning how to reach them, what they are and what they offer. Decisions are the outcome of your learning. They rest on what you have accepted as the truth of what you are and what your needs must be. Okay. Any thoughts on that, Derek? Uh, yeah, I never i just underlined a bunch of stuff never so he um was always in the text manual workbook teaching there's like a vague verbiage between decision and choice and really is no choice in the world those myriad choices and um it being you know, the choice of heaven being the real choice, and that's just being false perception is going to make false choices. Mm -hmm. But I noticed in the beginning, I started underlining. Uh, it's amazing how the book changes as you go through it. <laughs> uh, in the two, paragraph two, sentence three, it is a strange perception of the truth that makes the choice of heaven seem to be the same as relinquishment of hell. So this is the choice for heaven and the language, the relinquishment of hell is telling me hell is really not a choice. 
you know, it, it's, uh, it's almost like uh, I'm dissociated in everything I see, all the cars, the planes, the people, the asphalt, the ocean is a projection of my guilt. And I've splatted all those parts all over the place. And that's my guilt it's telling me I'm insane to think I'm going to use magic to undo all that. Uh, and it's really not... Uh, like he's like you know he refers to us as children he's like uh, you don't want to stick that screwdriver in the <laughs> socket over there you know that's just, so and then I noticed it again truth cannot come where it can only be perceived with fear that's like the uh, polar opposites of the mutual exclusive exclusivity of the holy spirit and the ego one is neither communicating with the other and for this would be the error truth can be brought to illusion. So I'm trying to bring the Holy Spirit into the world and fix the world, you know, and it's just right. not going to happen. Opposition makes truth unwelcome and it cannot come. I was in uh, just the difference between vision, Christ's vision and sight, and then the seeing eye. So everything I see is just, I can't use my ears and I can't use my eyes to to vision, you know, really hear that which can't be heard but only known. So then the next paragraph, too, without decision, time is but a waste and effort dissipated. So the effort dissipated is like the relinquishment of hell. It's just it's just the dissipation of my uh, energies as the one sun, you know. Hmm. It just, and then the next two paragraphs is more of the same, but I noticed the chop between the structure in paragraph and paragraph four and you get to sentence four and that's where the chop begins and the lead into paragraph five you make but one and when that one is made you will perceive it was no choice at all right that's so the difference between a chooser and a decider you know huh and so that's an interesting way of looking at that yeah thank you <laughs> I thought in this paragraph, too, is what we were just talking about, uh, Stephen, about knowledge is beyond the goals we seek within the framework of this course. So um, truth cannot be learned. So that the course isn't about, you know, it's not going to be teaching us the truth. Truth is beyond what we can be taught. But it, once it's recognized, then we can, ex you know, accept it. So uh, it's beyond the teaching goals, though. So. We do our part and the Holy Spirit does the rest, you know, so uh, we're heading in that direction <laughs> or we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here to studying this. And, and decisions are the outcome of our learning. So again, we have to see all the options available to us and all the choices that we've made before we can make that choice. Otherwise, um, we, how can you make a decision if you, What's it based on? You have to be able to see all the options that are available to you. And so that we decided that we don't like the options that we've chosen in the past, and now we're choosing something else. <laughs> Bruce, would you like to read number six? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. okay. In this insanely complicated world, heaven appears to take the form of choice rather than merely being what it is. Of all the choices you've, you have tried to make, this is the simplest, most definitive, and prototype of all the rest. 
the one which settle, settles all decisions. If you could decide the rest, this one remains unsolved. But when you solve this one, the others are resolved with it for all decisions, but conceal this one by taking different forms. Here's the final and the only choice in which is truth accepted or denied. Ooh. And that reminds me of the, the idea in the course that, you know, everything in the world of uh, space and time is, is a, you know, a, a <laughs> a fraudulent choice. It's basically, you know, presented as a ego propaganda to convince us that there's uh, options in the world that make a difference. And, you know, on the level of form they do, but in truth, the only thing that really makes a difference is the, the, the vertical choice, so to speak, or the, you know, the rising above the battleground of illusion and, and recognizing that, that the peace uh, that is in our right mind <laughs> will transcend all, all the other, little decisions in the world that, that uh, are independent of that. Right. Anyway, right. Yeah. You're, you're always choosing between one of the, one of the two thought systems. And uh, that's why if we just choose that one, all, you know, all the other decisions, <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. It's just the one, but exactly. we have to remember that, you know, I like that, the vertical one. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Well, Jesus got fancy with that prototype thing. I don't think he's ever, I thought you were making that up, Bruce. I, I was like, where's that word? <laughs> it does say that, yes. Yeah. It's like, ooh. <laughs> Tim, would you like to read the next one? Sure. So we begin today considering the choice that time was made to help us make. Such is time's holy purpose now transformed from the intent you gave it, that it be a means for demonstrating hell is real. Hope changes to despair, and life itself must in the end be overcome by death. In death alone are opposites resolved, for ending opposition is to die. And thus salvation must be seen as death, for life is seen as conflict. To resolve the conflict, is to end your life as well. <laughs> well, that's not a very nice prototype. <laughs> it kind of sucks. <laughs> and that's what we believe. I like that he just, he just tells it like it is, you know. He doesn't hold anything back, does he? <laughs> okay. Would you so, like sometimes I, th I think it might be helpful to, to go through and, and highlight all the, the places where where he's lampooning the ego's insanity. And that, that paragraph certainly seems like one of them where, you know, he's just, you can almost hear him uh, in, in sort of a, a mocking tone. It's like, you, and, and, and you, you really believe that? <laughs> and, and evidently we must still believe that. Otherwise we wouldn't need this remedial that, curriculum. Huh? I wonder if anybody would read that, put that onto a book, you know, who would read, <laughs> who would read that book, you know, the uh, book of insanity, but. This is what we believe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, was it number eight? I'll read that one, and then we've just got a couple more to go. Um, These mad beliefs can gain unconscious hold of great intensity and grip the mind with terror and anxiety so strong that it will not relinquish its ideas about its own protection. It must be saved from salvation threatened to be safe and magically armored against truth 
and these decisions are made unaware to keep them safely undisturbed, apart from question and from reason and from doubt. He says that we make them, that they're unconscious. Someplace else, though, he, he does say that it's really like when we feel truth, <laughs> uh, truth tries to enter for a moment, we have this terror and we consciously make a choice, but it seems to be unconscious because of how quickly we make it, that something will come up, a problem or sickness or something to distract us from looking at the truth. So, um, but again, a lot of these beliefs are there that are holding this seeming world together and all the fear and the terror and the anxiety that we, we constantly feel we have to protect ourselves from. But again, none of it's, none of it's real or true. So um, now he's going into, he always gives the ego side of it. And now he's going into, <laughs> going into the, the part that, the good part now that we can, we can make a choice. Things can be different. So uh, we can choose again. And it can be a, a conscious choice. Okay, it's, it's got to be a conscious choice. We must make this choice. Would anybody like to read that number nine? Nine and ten actually go together. So if you could, somebody like to read those two? Sure, I'll read that. Heaven is chosen con consciously. The choice cannot be made until alternatives are accurately seen and understood. All that is veiled in shadows must be raised to understanding to be judged again, this time with heaven's help. And all mistakes in judgment that the mind had made before are open to correction as the truth dismisses them as causeless. Now are they without effects. They cannot be concealed because their nothingness is recognized. Ooh. Want me to go on? Yeah, why don't you go on to the next one too. The conscious choice of heaven is as sure as is the ending of the fear of hell when it is raised from its protective shield of unawareness and is brought to light. Who can decide between the clearly seen and the unrecognized? Yet who can fail to make a choice between alternatives when only one is seen as valuable, the other as wholly worthless thing, a but, a but imagined source of guilt and pain? Who hesitates to make a choice like this? And shall we hesitate to choose today? Any comments on that, Lisa? Um, well, it's kind of interesting that Jesus says heaven is chosen consciously. And I, you know, that's so true because 99% of the time we're in this ego, we're in this ego thought system. And, I, and it's always going back to that decision maker, looking at the two choices that we have, and then choosing for heaven. That that is undoubtedly a conscious decision. I think that we all make every moment of the day if we want the peace of God. Um, um, uh, yeah, it, and um, then down in paragraph 10, 
Um, line one. Uh, the conscious choice of heaven is as sure as is the ending of the fear of hell when it is raised from its protective shield of unawareness and is brought to light. Uh, gosh, that is, <laughs> I mean, that's just shouts, look, it just shouts to me, look at your, look at your mind, look, look at your thoughts, because this is the only way that we can drop the veil and, and be brought to the light. Um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it, it, this is such a, so simple, yet it's so difficult because Jesus is asking us to, uh, you know, look and dig into the subconscious and look at all of those thoughts that we see as guilt and shame, as unworthiness and, and uh, to bring those to the, bring the illusions to the truth, to put them on the altar and let God look at those for us. Uh, and that is so difficult for us to do because um, it's, it's just not part of our training in this dream world that we think we're in. Uh, so it is a process that we have to go through. And I think that's why this course takes, um, in the world of time space, takes so long to understand is because we have to go through these experiences uh, in, here in this illusionary world um, and then look at those and say, yes, it's true or no, it's not. And, and you know, held before the, the light of Jesus, we know none of this is real. This is all made up. This is just a dream. Right. And the more that we do it, though, I think it, it does get a little easier at least to recognize when we're feeling the discomfort. We don't just accept it as part of you know, it's so, so much a part of who we are until we have started experiencing those moments of peace where we have chosen differently when we, when we are able to look at it and say, what's going on here? You know, I'm not at peace. I'm upset. My buttons are being pushed and I'm blaming. I want to blame it on something outside of me. We, you know, we have to have gone through that enough times because it says the Holy Spirit teaches through contrast. So we have to have gone through those uh, painful times why would we want to be doing this you know because usually we are in such pain and turmoil that we're looking for a way out of that and so the more that we experience those moments of yes okay I'm willing to see this as something I'm experiencing it's not has nothing to do with what's going on out there it's something in me that needs to be addressed to be looked at and the more we do that and the, we start doing it quicker and it becomes just an automatic response that, you know, if I'm not happy, if I'm not at peace, it's up to me if I want to stay there. <laughs> I, can, I can turn it over and start seeing that, oh, I really, that before that would have taken me a long time to get over that. But now, not that it's always that quick, but it, it's a lot quicker than it used to be. So I think that's, you know, we have to do that, that we have to make it a conscious thing that we are, then we are willing to ask for help. So. At the end of uh, at the end of chapter twenty three, you know, he, he said something like, "If you bring the the murdering, if you bring murder to the surface and you recognize it, and then you put that side by side with a a miracle, it's not hard to choose between those two. 
it's not hard to choose between going all psycho or on somebody <laughs> or realizing they're the son of God and you're actually connected. I mean, that's not a hard choice to make at that point because you know, you, you, you see what the choice is. <laughs> it's either murder or miracle. And it, but just bringing that to the surface is the part that I think that Lisa was talking about. We don't want to look at right. that. Right. <laughs> right. Anybody struck by the first sentence on the top of page 65? My head started spinning when whomever was reading that paragraph six. Heaven appears to take the form of choice. And then the remainder of the paragraph. But, uh, I noticed the word veil and shield. And then salvation, seven, or and thus salvation must be seen as death or life is seen as conflict. It's the ego's fear of the atonement. And then when I see shield and veil, I, uh, I know there's two different levels, level one, level two. So the veil and the shield, that's the body is level two. They want to make a conscious choice. Consciousness and existence is of the split mind. So he's asking me to go back to, so to speak, my higher mind. Look at form and the, the myriad choices that I think are in front of me, and that's why I'm like, heaven appears to take the form choice. And that's reading this book uh, a couple of days now, and uh, I just get struck by the language and what I thought I saw I didn't see, and then I now see it, and that that, <laughs> that variation between choice and decision and choice is really never a choice. Mm. So I love this book. It just keeps me entertained, you know. <laughs> it's always yeah, something new. <laughs> Steve? Here, um, I really appreciate you pointing that out because you're right. Uh, I mean, I really like that because that doesn't seem to work. Uh, what was Jesus thinking when, when he wrote that sentence, you know? It's like, why did he put heavens appears? Uh, that's so interesting. And also uh, to get to, you know, we had a... We had a student uh, yesterday uh, who was exasperated with the course, <laughs> go figure, and, and she says, uh, she, she says uh, where's the joy? Um, you know, that paragraph nine and 10, that's where the joy is. And uh, uh, I think it's Derek, is it Derek? Uh, you're pointing that out, uh, um, gives, me, gives me a whole reason for my day to look into <laughs> that and, and how, that, how that works, and I really appreciate it. But the main thing I wanna say is a gentle smile, that's a decision. That's a conscious, loving effort to be whatever heaven really is. And a gentle smile or a listening to someone who's really exasperated or, or even angry at you, that, that, that decision to do that and to have, uh, to join with Holy Spirit in that moment and allow whatever's gonna come through, whether it's, whether it's quiet or whether it's uh, the exact words that are supposed to be, then uh, to you know for that joining that unity to that union to come around, uh, that kind of thing. Those are decisions and conscious choices that we learn uh, to make uh, in our practicing. I think. Uh, thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate that, and thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen, would you like to read number eleven? Oh yeah, it'd be so. Um, we make the choice for heaven as we wait and spend five minutes 
making sure that we have made the one decision that is sane. We recognize we made a conscious choice between what has existence and what has nothing but an appearance of the truth. Its pseudo-being brought to what is real is flimsy and transparent in the light. It holds no terror now for what was made enormous, vengeful, pitiless with hate, demands obscurity for fear to be invested there. Now it is recognized as but a foolish, trivial mistake. Okay, and I'll just finish with the last paragraph for this. Before we close our eyes and sleep tonight, we reaffirm the choice that we have made each hour in between. And now we give the last five minutes of our waking day to the decision with which we awoke. As every hour passed, we have declared our choice again and a brief quiet time devoted to maintaining sanity. And finally, we close the day with this, acknowledging we chose but what we want. Heaven is a decision I must make. I make it now and will not change my mind because it is the only thing I want. Any comments? <laughs> I, I was just picturing that that uh, scene in The Wizard of Oz where Toto pulls back the curtain again in that, that uh, <laughs> second to last paragraph. Just, you know, it holds no terror now for what was made enormous, vengeful, and pitiless with hate now demands obscurity for fear to be invested there you know it's just like all the all the crazy stuff that we make such big deals about when we when we look really look at them honestly they're just like yeah that wasn't a big deal <laughs> and then, awesome. then then we can afford that gentle smile like Stephen was just talking about and, and it's like oh yeah there's, there's nothing to get hung about here <laughs> and we probably won't even remember any of this that's the that's, <laughs> that's the real kicker you know once we <laughs> we're not even gonna remember being here after all this <laughs> Okay, I just want to, I'll close then just with this little paragraph from, um, maybe just get still for a minute, close your eyes. And uh, thank everybody for being on the call today and for all your, your participation. It really helps everybody as, as each of us contributes that uh, it helps, it helps. <laughs> so for, this is from the Changeless Dwelling Place. I just wanted to read the first paragraph from that on chap in chapter 29. There is a place in you where this whole world has been forgotten, where no memory of sin and of illusion lingers still. There is a place in you which time has left and echoes of eternity are heard. There is a resting place so still, no sound except a hymn to heaven rises up to gladden God the Father and the Son. Where both abide are they remembered both. And where they are is heaven and is peace. And we say amen. <laughs> amen. Thanks, Tony. Thank you all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs>